Lord, help us to hear your voice today. Help us to respond. Help us to let go. Help us to give everything into your hands, Lord, I pray. Speak to us. Amen. Kind of shaken up a little bit. Whew. God is saying something to me, but to you today and anyone listening. He's waiting. He's waiting. He's waiting. He's looking right now at every heart. He, he's brooding. The Holy Spirit is brooding over his church, over his called out ones. He's waiting for anyone that will just lay everything on that altar as a living sacrifice so that he can utterly, utterly fill you, anoint you, and send you out to proclaim the gospel with power as effective witnesses, to give hope, to share the good news with so many that need to hear it in power, in demonstration of the spirit and of power that can only happen when he fills these vessels when he completely takes us over. So he's waiting. He's waiting. He's waiting for us to completely consecrate our lives to him. So whatever is holding you back from that, God is waiting for you to let it go and lay it down and give him everything. And let him work through your life and do the things he's wanting to do through your life. He gave me one phrase as I prayed for today. And it was one phrase found in Hebrews chapter 10. And the phrase was this. A body you have prepared for me to do your will, O God. And as I read it, as I prayed over it, as I meditated on it, all I could think about was the little baby Jesus in a manger, that little body, that little human being that God stepped into. Somehow the God of the universe, this awesome God, our creator, humbled himself, left his glory, and came to dwell with humanity. Emmanuel, God with us. He came in the form of of that little child, a body that God had prepared for him to do the will of God, to do the will of the Father. One purpose for that little body, for that little baby, one purpose to be slaughtered, to become a victim of the most cruelest way to die in that time, to be sacrificed 
on an altar for our sins. That was his only purpose, to come into the world. So when we think about and we remember why we're celebrating Christmas, that's why God prepared a body and he came and he was born over 2,000 years ago in that little manger. And I'll read the account there in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. It says, now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. God incarnate. God come in the flesh. That's what that means. And it happened at conception. It happened the moment the Holy Spirit came upon Mary and conceived that child. God was here in the flesh inside of a human womb. So for those that want to debate about when life starts, that's when it starts. Right at that moment, God was in the womb of a maidservant named Mary. And when we say that Jesus Christ, God incarnate, we mean that God, this God that upholds the universe, that spoke everything to existence, came in human form, was in that baby. John 1.14 says, The Word became flesh, and it dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten Father, full of grace and truth. It was nothing but grace. We did not deserve it. Humankind did not deserve it. It was pure grace when God showed up on the scene. Pure grace. Had nothing to do with us. Absolutely nothing. And when this happened in the womb of Mary, he didn't stop being God, although he was fully human. He was still God. He was still God. John 1.1, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was God, and the Word was, was with God, and the Word was God, and that Word became flesh. So somehow, God becomes fully human, but yet is still God. We need to really, really meditate on just the reality of that as much as we can in our, infinite, in our finite minds, as much as we can comprehend it, or God allows us to. It's really the only way we, we, we understand it at all. Just the enormity of what God did. And yet, fully human in all things, he had to be made like his brethren. Hebrews 2.17 tells us that he might be a merciful, faithful high priest in the things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. That's what happened, people. 
when that little baby was born. Can I have him a second? He seems kind of calm, <laughs> hopefully, for a minute. Uh, just to give a, a mental picture, just God in a baby. Just, I want you to just like think about it. Moms, just think about that. You had just had Jesus, and God's in your household. He's with you. Just contemplate. Think God in a little baby, the God of the universe, who's all-powerful, almighty, beyond our comprehension, spoke the worlds into existence in a little baby. It's amazing. Okay. That's enough. <laughs> he didn't do anything. It's good. <laughs> All right. That's what happened. And Philippians 2, verse 5, gives a, a little picture. Again, we can't comprehend it. It's just beyond human comprehension. But it, it speaks of, like, the depths he stepped out of or into to become man. Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery, robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. He took the form of a bondservant and he came in the likeness of men. God. God did that. And being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself and he became obedient even to the point of death, even the death of the cross. So as we remember the birth of Christ, we have to remember the purpose of that birth. And the whole purpose was so that he would die for our sins. That's why he came to the earth. And we're going to see why um, he had to do that. So I'm going to go on reading here, Matthew 1, uh, verse 19. Now Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. You know, I, I'm not going to get into it all, but Mary had to pay a price. Um, and she knew that. When God spoke to her what he was about to do, she understood. Like, okay... How am I going to explain this? I'm sure all the, the questions and all the things were going through her mind, but yet her response is amazing. Let it be done to thy maidservant. That's what God is looking for from us. Because he speaks to us. He calls us. He wants to, just like he did with Mary, send the Son of God, to dwell within her for a time, he wants to send his Holy Spirit himself into our lives. And he has a purpose for our lives. And he's waiting for the response that Mary gave. Lord, let, let it be done. I am your servant. And we're going to see Jesus personified this 
to the ultimate. He gave us the greatest example ever of what it means to be a servant in the way he lived and the way he died. So while he thought about these things, Joseph, an angel of the Lord, appeared to him. And, you know, thankfully God was helping Joseph, who also had to deal with some things. You see, there's, there's a cost, there's a price. When God calls us and God has a purpose, it, it, we're going to suffer for it. There's, it's just part of the calling. There has to be a denial of self, but there also has to be an understanding that no matter what it is, God's going to make a way. God is going to give me what I need, and he's going to help me in the process. And that's what he's doing for Joseph. He's helping him. Don't worry, Joseph. I'm in this. I got a plan, Joseph. Just do what I tell you to do, and trust me. God is speaking that to you today. I got a plan. I know what I'm doing. Just surrender to it. Trust me. I'll help you. I'll tell you what to do. You just trust me. So, an angel appears. says, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid. Take to you Mary, your wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you will call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. And that is and was the will of God. That's what Jesus came to do. That was the will of God. To save us from our sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and will bear a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Hallelujah. And then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took him his wife. And he did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Hallelujah. So now I want us to turn to Hebrews chapter 10. Because we're going to see in Hebrews chapter 10 the whole reason for the birth of Jesus and why it's so important. Now, he's kind of continuing on in his thought here in chapter 10 from uh, chapter 8 and chapter 9. He's basically contrasting the old covenant and the new covenant, the law and the grace that has come through Christ Jesus. So he starts off in Hebrews 10 verse 1, talking about the law. He says, for the law having a shadow of the good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with these same sacrifices, which they offer continually year by year, make those who approach perfect. For then, then would they not have ceased to be offered. For the worshipers, once purified, would have had no more consciousness of sins. But in those sacrifices... 
There is a reminder of sins every year, for it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. Therefore, when he came into the world, this is why. He said, now, I picture in my mind Jesus and the Father in heaven. And the Father the whole, and the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is about to impregnate Mary. And Jesus turns and says to the Father, sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you've prepared for me. And then Philippians 2 happens. And all heaven is aghast. What, what is this? What does this mean? And they disrobe Jesus. They, they remove the glory that he had in heaven. And, and they watch as the King of kings and the Lord of lords becomes a little baby in human form. You understand, that's why the angels, they're like, they, the depths of our salvation and what God actually did, they don't even comprehend it. it the depths of it is so powerful. The mercy, the grace that is expressed in it all, they look at it in awe. It's beyond even the angels. But yet... For this purpose, Jesus came to do the will of the Father. So then it goes on in verse 6. In burnt offerings and sacrifices you had no pleasure. Then I said, behold, I have come in the volume of the book. The whole Old Testament talked about this, prophesied about it. Everything written is pointing to this. You understand that. Everything revolves around this whole fact of the gospel. Everything in the word of God from beginning to end is talking about it because it's so powerful. It, it's central to the whole reason why God came to the earth. It's written. It's written of me to do your will of God. Previously saying, sacrifice and offering, burnt offerings, offerings for sin, you did not desire, nor did you have pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. The law is a tutor. It, it points us to Christ. It shows us that there is nothing humanly possible we can do to get right with God. Nothing. That's all it does. It makes everyone guilty. That's what the Lord does. And it points us to our only hope, which is in Christ. It says, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first, the old covenant, that he may establish the second, the new covenant, ratified in the blood of Christ. And by that will... We have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. 
Every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifice, which can never take away sins. But this man, Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins, forever sat down at the right hand of God. And I'm not going to get into the resurrection, but Jesus died, but he also rose, and he is ruling and reigning, and all authority has been put under his feet, and he is coming back, like we were singing. Praise the Lord. From that time, waiting till his enemies are made his footstool, footstool, for by one offering, one offering, He has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Praise the Lord. But the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us, for after he had said before, this is the covenant I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law into their hearts and in their minds I will write them. And then he adds their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Now where there is remission of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. Hallelujah. Do you understand what good news that is? Hebrews 8, he talks about this in verse 10. He says, For this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind. I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God. They will be my people. None of them will teach his neighbor. None his brother saying, Know the Lord. For all will know me from the least to the greatest of them. It's the promise God gave us last year, remember? In the book of Ezekiel, right? Same thing. I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit in you. I will take your your heart of stone out of you. I will give you a new heart. I will put my spirit in you. I will cause you to walk in my statues, and you will um, keep my judgments and do them. He will. What are you hearing in that? He does it. He does it all. We simply need to trust and have faith in what he's already done. He's making that really real to me lately. There is nothing I can do to save myself. I don't care if I have perfect church attendance. I don't care... If I give my body to be burned, I don't care what I can try and do in the flesh. The only hope I have is the blood of Jesus and what he did on the cross for me. That's the only thing I can stand on. I had someone write something to me, and I'm not going to share what happened, but they basically uh, had an experience with death. I'll just say it that way. And I'll say this not as uh, thus saith the Lord, because you got to be careful with uh, things like this. So, uh, but I do want to share it, because the Lord spoke to me through it. But supposedly he died, and he saw Jesus. This is a guy I know. It's not some guy on the internet. I know him. And he said, Jesus stepped back, And he said, look at my hands, look at my feet, 
this is the only reason why you're welcome here. And he said he chose to come back, like he felt like he wasn't done or whatever. I, I want to talk to him more about it. But it, I don't know, the Lord just spoke to him. He just made it real. And then as I got in Scripture and was studying this, God was just making it more real and more real and more real to me. That I, I need to fix my eyes on Jesus. He is the author. He is the finisher of my faith. And I, if I live in the reality of what he did for me, I'm going to live a life pleasing to him. My life is simply going to show what I say I believe. You, you understand? I'm going to want to give everything to him. If I fully understand the mercy and grace he has had on me, like Hebrews 12 says, the proper response is going to be, Lord, take me, Lord. I give my life to you. It, it's the least I can do. And then he has his way in my life and he changes me and he comes to live inside of me. And he takes this vessel and he somehow brings glory out of it. He glorifies himself and he, he uses it to share that good news with other people. It's what he promised to do. It's what the new covenant is all about. He did it. He accomplished it. He gives us the power to live it. He's just waiting for us to have faith in it and to yield to it and to surrender to it. He can't do it in an unsurrendered life. He can't. And, and if you're not surrendered, it's because you don't understand what he did for you. You don't understand the bad news. There's no hope for you outside of Christ. You need to fling yourself at his feet. You need to beg him for mercy. You need to ask him to give you a heart of flesh. And he will if you cry out to him. I will put my laws in their minds. I will open their eyes. I will enlighten their understanding so they understand what I did for them. I will write it on their hearts in other words, inwardly, God will come inwardly to his people. He will open up our hearts. He will come and indwell us. The Holy Spirit will teach us. The Holy Spirit will guide us into truth. Make his word real to us. And I will be to them a God. They will come to know that I am what their hearts ache for. I am what they created for. They will know I am the all-sufficient God that has everything they need. I will be their God. And they will be my people. My treasure, my beloved, my loving and obedient children. They will be my people. Now, these next verses in Hebrews encourage those who have trusted in Christ for the all things he has done. Verse 19. Therefore, brethren, having boldness, boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, that body, that was given for us. He made a, a new and living way. He gave us access to God. 
and having a high priest over the house of God. Let us draw near. Brother Glenn uh, shared something as in a prayer that God was making real to him about Moses and how God communed with him face to face. And, and, and really the, the true meaning is that mouth to mouth, just that close intimacy with God. And, you know, he prayed a beautiful prayer that, Lord, I want that. Lord, I, my heart yearned for that. There is something about that intimacy God wants with us that is just beyond comprehension. And when we get little glimpses, little tastes of it, when God is speaking to us and we're able to commune with this God of the universe who's a personal, relational God, there's nothing like it. There's no joy, there's no peace, there's nothing this world has that fulfills us and completes us like being in his presence and hearing his voice and communing with him. It's what we were made for. It's what we were made for. Every relationship we have on earth, it's temporary. There's only one that's going to be eternal, and that's our relationship with him. Even marriage, as much as I love my wife, and I'm so grateful I've been able to share my life with her, our relationship's temporary. I mean, she understands this. I'm looking forward to my eternal, and I know she is too. And we don't take that personal, because we know what we're talking about. There's someone greater. There's someone more wonderful that we're headed for. And we get little tastes here. But there, there's going to be no veil. No veil. But yet he's still calling us. He still made a way for us to come. And I'll tell you what. There's nothing like God speaking to you. The last few days, he just has been so kind to me to just speak to me. Like, I know it's him speaking to me. And there's such comfort in it because it really makes me secure. And, and that I know I'm his. I know I'm his child. And he cares. He cares about the things that concern me. And he's so kind to me to, to stoop down and speak very clearly. So I know it's him. There's no doubt in my mind. Lord, you spoke to me. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. You, you just know what to say to me. You know what I need. And I would encourage you, take that time to let him speak to you. He wants to say so much to you. So let us hold fast. Well, let me go back a little bit. Let us draw near with a true heart, full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And like we're doing today, let us consider one another and stir up love and good works. Don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together as is the matter of some, but exhorting one another so much more as you see the day approaching. I love meeting with you guys. I just do. There's life in it. There's something about the people of God meeting together and encouraging one another and exhorting one another and worshiping together. It reminds us all 
of a greater one and our true purpose, right? And we're to stir one, up, uh, one another up in that way. Now in here, and I'm not going to focus too much on this. This is not my purpose today. There's a warning. There's a warning. And really, it's the reality of what, what is left if I walk away from or I spurn this tremendous grace that has been offered to me through Jesus Christ coming to the earth and dying on a cross for me. What is left for me if I know that and then turn away from it? What is left for me? And so the warning is if, if we sin willfully after we receive the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sin. Again, what's left but a certain fearful expectation of judgment, fiery indignation which will devour the adversaries. Anyone who's rejected Moses, Lord, dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment do you suppose will he be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified? So this is talking to someone who has come into the knowledge of the truth. It's not talking to an unbeliever. Insulted the spirit of grace, for we know him who said, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. All I could say is, thank God for repentance. That's all I can say. And I couldn't help thinking about the, the Hebrews, when Peter got up on the day of Pentecost and preached that powerful message, it, I don't know why this reminded me of that, because they thought they had the truth. They thought they knew God. They thought they had the way to God. And as, as Peter is preaching under the power of the Holy Spirit, they suddenly realize, wait a minute, Jesus was God. That little baby that was born 30 years ago, that was God. That man we really ridiculed, that man we were saying crucify was God. And he did it for my sin. And fear came on them. Fear, I'm sure they were trembling. What do we got to do? Repent. 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 Put your trust and faith in what he did for you, and you will be saved. If you're here today and, and you have not done that, you need to just simply repent. If you know that you know that you know God has been speaking to you, you know that you know that you know you're not a child of God. You have not bowed the knee to Jesus Christ. You need to repent when you can. Because there might be a day when there is no repentance. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. What is left if we neglect such a great salvation? Now, for us that have, the admonition is this. Don't neglect 
but reflect on what God has done for you. And that's what I really want to encourage all of us to do this morning. Don't neglect this gift, this precious gift that we're celebrating, but reflect on it. Because he says now, recall the former days in which after you were illuminated, in other words, when you came to Christ, when the light burst inside of your heart, you endured a great struggle with sufferings. In other words, look back on your life with God. And and though it was hard, though there were trials, God was with you and he's with you now. He hasn't forsaken you. He's brought you this far. And he goes on, partly while you were made a spectacle, both by reproaches, tribulations, partly while you became companions of those who were so treated. For you had compassion on me and my chains. You joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods. This is talking about a living sacrifice. It's talking about someone that understands and they've surrendered. They've embraced their own cross. They understand what it means to pick up their cross and follow him. And they do it joyfully. Therefore, um, the plundering of your goods, knowing you have a better and enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. You get it. You get it. You know where your true hope lies. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. For yet a little while, And he who is coming will come, and he will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. So it was the will of God that Jesus should be incarnated that he should suffer and die. Or in the apostles' words, taste death for every person ever born or ever will be born. Jesus tasted death for everyone. That all should believe on him. God desires that all would come to repentance. He's long-suffering. He doesn't choose who's saved and who's not saved. We get to choose. We get to believe. We get to surrender. We get to respond to his voice that is constantly calling from every corner, crying out to come to him. So let this day, or let's this day, consider, again, that little form, that little baby, laid in a manger, and let us ask ourselves again, what is that little baby for? What is that little baby for? That little baby that was born over 2,000 years ago came into the world for one purpose, for a sacrifice, as a victim to be slaughtered upon an altar for our sins. When Jesus, the Messiah, came into the world and was about to be incarnated, like I said earlier, he said to God the Father, sacrifice and offering you do not desire. 
It was never your will and design that sacrifices under your own law should be considered as making an atonement for sin. They were only designed to point to me, to point to the ultimate work of the cross. Therefore, a body you have prepared for me. By a miraculous conception in the womb of a virgin, according to your word, the seed of the woman shall bruise the head of the serpent. And it's talking about what happened in the fall that separated all mankind. And God, at that moment, made that promise from the seed of a woman. That girl, Mary, over 2,000 years ago, gave birth to Jesus, the Messiah, the promised one. A body you have prepared for me to do your will. I want to share something kind of interesting that came out of this. Um, because Paul is quoting here, but he's quoting from Greek manuscripts that he had in his day. Um, we call it the, the Subtuent. I think that's how you say that. Subtuagent. Um, you look those things up and different people pronounce it different ways. Subtuagent, um, which is basically a collection of Greek, um, Greek writings of, of their day. And um, I'm not going to get into all that now. So he's quoting it. And so when he quotes it, he's quoting from Psalm 40, which actually says it different. It doesn't say a body prepared for me because of the way it was probably translated and how Paul read it, but yet it was divinely still placed in the Bible for a reason. So there's no errors in the Bible. Okay, this is not an error. It just brings it out more, in my opinion. But what it says in Psalm 40 is this, in verse 6, sacrifice and offering you did not desire, my ears you have opened. It says that instead of a body you have prepared. What? This is why it's important at times to understand the languages and the root meanings. But, and then it goes on. Burnt offering and sin offering you did not require. Then I said, behold, I have come in the scroll of the book. It is written of me. I delight to do your will, O God. Your law is within my heart. So when it says, my ears you have opened, the illusion here. It really can be said, um, my ears you have bored, okay? If you really get down into the root meaning, it really could say, my ears you have bored. And why is that important? Well, because it's alluding to um, Exodus chapter 21, verse 2, where God decreed in his law that when a, you bought a Hebrew servant... They would serve for six years. And in the seventh, the year of Jubilee, they were to be set free. But there was times when that servant loved his master so much, he begged not to be set free. And he said, no, I love my master. I want to serve my master the rest of my life. And so what that master would do, he would pin him to a door and take an awl and drive it through his ear. <laughs> he bore his ear. And it was a sign that he was his servant forever. Joyfully. And we understand Jesus 
loved the Father and delighted to do his will. And so Jesus heard, understood the Father's will, and he yielded to it. And he became a servant, right? He left his glory. He became a servant, obedient, even to the point of death on a cross. And he's an example to us of what it looks like when we're in love with God. See, it's, it's about love. Jesus loved the Father. He loved. He delighted in doing his will, even dying on a cross. That's where God's trying to get us to. It's not this subservient, hard taskmaster God that, that we're serving. It's a loving, merciful Father that sent His Son to die in our place. And if we understand that, we should be the same way of that servant, even though there's liberty. There's liberty. Paul talks about there's liberty in the gospel, but yet I'm a slave, I'm a bondservant of Christ. And somehow there's freedom in that. There's joy in that, just being a slave forever in his house. You understand it's not a, a, a negative thing. And I remember when that happened for me. I remember it to this day. I, I got it. I understood it. When, when finally it was real to me, what God had done to me, I knew, I understood. My life's over. I give up the rights, everything. It's not about what I want anymore. Lord, I am yours forever. I don't deserve what you have done for me. It would have been right for me to die and go to hell, but God, I am yours forever. And I have to remind myself of that all the time when I think I got rights, when I think I could do what I want to do. I have to do what we're doing today. Remember how he came how he humbled himself, how he became a servant, how he was obedient to death, even on a cross for my sin. It's amazing. Amazing, amazing. I'm going to finish with an exhortation to us, first of all. Uh, personally, but also as a body. Has God given you an ear to hear his word? Have you heard the message of the cross? Have you responded to it? Have you confessed with your mouth, Jesus is Lord? I believe he's the son of God and he died for my sins. Have you confessed that with your mouth? Do you have a heart that loves him for that? Do you love God? And have you consecrated yourself to him? Because if you have, like I said today, and, and God spoke that to me and he's speaking it to you, he's waiting. Well, what are you waiting for? Let him do what he's wanting to do in your life. Let him fill you. Let him take control. Let him anoint you. Let him send you. Let him use you. Start believing him to fulfill the new covenant in your life. Don't settle for less than all. I want to encourage you to do that. I want to remind you that what Jesus did gave us everything we need that pertains to life and godliness. There's nothing holding us back except our own wills, our own 
um, refusal sometimes to just lay everything about our lives on his altar. So my prayer for you is to remind yourself, remember, reflect. You know, in the busyness of Christmas, in the business of holidays, reflect, remember what God has done for you. And just, if you've picked some things up, lay it back on the altar. Get your vessel down low so he can use it in this hour. So can we say today to our Father in heaven, Father, a body you've prepared for you to do your will, O oh God. So let's stand, and if, if as his people, and I'm not talking about making commitments, okay? It's more of a, just a, a proclamation. Um, commitments don't last very long. They just don't. It's just an act of surrender, okay? And so I'm just going to say it, and, and if you want to repeat it inside, if you are a follower of Christ and, and you mean it, and you're going to believe God to take your vessel and to start taking control the way he wants to and start using you the way he wants to, he's going to take you at your word today, if you mean it. Okay? So, Lord, you have prepared this body to do your will. And, Lord, I offer it to you today. I fully consecrate it to you. I give up the rights to my life, just like you did. I let go of anything, Lord, that I think I deserve or can cling to. And Lord, I surrender it all to you today. And Lord, by faith, I trust you to fill me, to anoint me, with the same anointing you had and to use me to proclaim your gospel with power. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And you just need to believe, it's very simple. Don't, it's not complicated. It's very simple. You just walk in that by faith and you just keep saying yes to him and he will have his way. Now, I, I want to finish today really with uh, also a call um, as a body, as the body of Christ. I read a, a quote or I heard a quote the other day, and it really spoke to me. And it basically said, we are to be the church, not just belong to or go to a church. Okay, so the church is his body, too. So the church also is a body Prepared. So you don't go to this church. You don't belong to this church. You are the church. Make that real to yourself. You are the church. If you're part of the body of Christ, you are the church. And God has a purpose for you. So part of that surrendering is how does he want to use me in his body? Okay? And that's something you need to be praying about. And, and letting God bring you into his purpose for the body, how he wants to use you in the body, okay? Okay, so. Uh, in John 6, 
verse 53, Jesus said this. Now, this is for anyone here today. Um, You have not given your heart to Christ. You have not taken advantage of what he did for you on the cross. Jesus said this in John 6, verse 53. Truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Now, I'm not going to get into it all, but many were offended. Like, what is he talking about? Eat his body, drink his flesh? Well, his body was prepared, right, as a living sacrifice, but it wasn't prepared so that we could literally eat his flesh and drink his blood. He was talking in symbolism, and he was really talking about something spiritual. He was basically saying, unless you take what I did for you, this body that is going to be laid down for you, this blood that is going to be spilled to you, unless you take it and appropriate it, just like you would food and water to survive and live, if you don't take me, what I did, my body, my sacrifice, you will die. But if you take it, you will have eternal life. That's basically what he's saying there. So the next day, um, early in the chapter, when Jesus fed those multitudes who were seeking a meal that he fed with the fish and the loaves, he said something that was important. He said, food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. Um, In other words, he's saying, you're following me because you want a temporary fix, but the food I'm offering you is food that will endure to eternal life. Okay, so at this point, Jesus is trying to turn their perspective away from physical sustenance to their true need, which was spiritual. Now, when Jesus said we must eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, he said, basically, we have to receive him by faith. We have to appropriate by faith what he did on that cross for us. So I'm going to ask us to stand. And if there's anyone here this morning, God is speaking to you. You've heard the gospel umpteen times. But maybe today the Holy Spirit has softened your heart. Maybe today... You're a little bit understanding your need for the cross and what he did. You know you're a sinner. My plea, God's plea to you today is come to Jesus today. Don't wait another day. He's calling you to come to him today just like he was 2,000 years ago. He's here today in the flesh. He's here in this body. He's in this vessel. It's him calling you. It's him pleading with you to come to him and have life. Why do you still look to the food that will perish? Jesus came down from heaven. He's the bread from heaven. If you take him into your life, if you receive him and what he did into your life, you will have eternal life. You won't die in your sins. So my plea to you today is come to Jesus 
Anybody here, don't, don't go for, uh, through another Christmas not knowing the love and the mercy of God that he provided in that little baby that came over 2,000 years ago. He's here for you today. That little baby grew up to be a man and he died a death on a cross for your sins. And then he rose from the dead. It proved who he was. It was God in the flesh. And he's still alive now. And he is coming back one day. And one day you'll have to stand before him. One day you'll have to give an account for your life. And the only way you will have access to eternal life is through his blood and his sacrifice. There's no other hope for you. You can't be good enough. You can't do any works that will satisfy this holy and just God. There's only one way. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So if God is speaking to you, please, I implore you, come to this altar repent and turn your life over to him and he will cleanse you and he will come to dwell inside of you and he will give you eternal life anyone online don't let another Christmas go by God is speaking to you now respond to him now just come to his feet and say God be merciful to me a sinner have mercy on me oh God I need what you did on that cross. Thank you, Lord. 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 Lord, I pray for anyone here or online. I pray the Holy Spirit would continue to have his hand upon their hearts. Lord, I pray, Lord, you would, as the hound of heaven, Lord, continue to pursue them to their last breath, Lord. It's the kind of God you are, Lord. Many of us here, Lord, shouldn't even be here, but Lord, it was just because of your mercy and grace. And Lord, I'm asking that for that same mercy and grace before it's too late for anyone here or anyone online, Lord. Open their hearts, God, to the wonder of the message of the cross and what you did 2,000 years ago. So God, we thank you, Lord. And I pray as we go from here, as we have fellowship now, Lord, I pray, Lord, that um, our lives, as we have offered them to you, Lord, would testify to everyone we come in contact with, especially now. It's so easy to have open doors to testify of um, Jesus and God coming in the flesh and dying on a cross and sharing our testimony with others. Lord, let us be a light for so many that are in darkness, Lord, so many that are still hopeless today. For many, this day isn't a day of joy. It's just a day of sorrow and lost. So God, use us, Lord, to be a blessing and a light to those around us. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.